scripture reading will be 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We are thankful for the beautiful day that God has blessed us with. We're thankful for your presence. And it is our prayer that our time spent together has been productive, beneficial, and we are certainly prayerful that those of us who are God's people, that we have benefited from the time that we've had to spend together this day. We're going to be thinking in just a moment about what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1 at verse 10, the passage that Michael read just a moment ago where Peter said, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. You and I, we are in the midst of an election year. As a matter of fact, that's just about all you hear on the news. And right now, we are down to two presidential candidates. In a spiritual sense, there are two candidates that are vying for our vote. And so tonight we want to think about the importance of casting our spiritual vote. And we're going to be looking at what the Bible has to say about the two candidates. And I want you to consider with me for just a few moments about, I want you to think with me for just a few moments about these two candidates, what they represent and what they ultimately will mean to you. We do want to mention again our Vacation Bible School. Brother George mentioned that a moment ago. It is about two weeks away and we want to encourage 100% participation. We hope and pray that each and every person will be present for each night of our Vacation Bible School, that we can reach our goal of 200 people. And if we can do that, and I believe we can, then it will have been a great success. And so please be praying about that. If you want to be involved in this uh, great program, please see Scotty or one of the elders. I know that they would love to have your help in this endeavor. All right, as we think about casting our spiritual vote, the first thing that I want to call your attention to are the personalities. And really here we're talking about the two individuals that we have to make a decision on. Now the Bible tells us that there are basically two candidates vying for our vote today. Now in the political arena today, we know that based on what's going on in our climate, there are two individuals that are running for the presidency of the United States of America. And those two individuals are well known to the population at large. Well, what we need to do is to focus in on the two candidates that the Bible presents unto us as vying for our vote. The first candidate would be the Savior. That would be deity. We know him as the Son of God based on what Simon Peter said in Matthew chapter 16 at verse 16. He is called the Word who ultimately became flesh in John 1 at verse 14. He is identified as the bread of life in John chapter 6. He is called the light of the world in John chapter 8 at verse 12. He is the good shepherd in John chapter 10 at verse 10. 
He is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, verse 6. In John chapter 11, he is the resurrection and the life. Well, we think about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is one candidate who is vying for our vote. But then there is another candidate, and this would be Satan. And unlike deity, he is called the devil. As a matter of fact, you can read about the work of the devil. You can read about his personality in both the Old and New Testaments. Satan, or the devil, is said to be an adversary of mankind in 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse 8. He is called the deceiver of the whole world in the book of Revelation. But these are, these are the two candidates that are vying for our spiritual vote as we speak. But then there is a second thing that I want us to think about tonight. First of all, we have to look at the personalities, those that are involved in this election. But then in the second place, let's look at their profiles. And when we talk about the profiles of these two candidates, first of all, we want to know the reputation of the Savior. And then in contrast to his reputation, we want to know the reputation of Satan. What about the Savior? Well, when you look at the reputation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I think first and foremost you have to understand that he is a trustworthy being. In politics, there is a lot said about the trustworthiness of a candidate. Sometimes individuals will claim to be trustworthy when, in effect, the facts prove otherwise. But Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. Paul said in Colossians chapter 2 at verse 9 that in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus Christ, as the second member of the Godhead, does not lie. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6 at verse 18, it is impossible for God to lie. And so we're talking about one who is true to his word. Whatever Jesus says, you can literally take it to the bank. He does not deal and think so's or maybe so's, but rather he speaks in a very plain and forthright manner. And so we can trust him. But then on the other side of the ledger, we have Satan, or the devil. And in contrast to Jesus, the Son of God, the devil is said to be completely untrustworthy. As a matter of fact, his, his character is revealed right up front in the book of Genesis. You recall back in Genesis chapter 2, God had prohibited the first man from eating of the tree of life. God said, the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. Well, in chapter 3, we read of the serpent or Satan coming on the scene. He asked Mother Eve, has God said you're not to eat of the fruit of the trees which are in the midst of the garden? And she said, of the fruit of the trees which are in the garden, we may freely eat. Well, Satan responded by saying, because she said that if we eat, we will die. But God, but rather Satan said, you shall not surely die. Satan blatantly told Mother Eve a lie. And so on the one hand, you have somebody who is trustworthy, who is reliable. And on the other hand, you have one who is 
said to be a liar. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John 8, verse 44, that Satan is the father of lies. And so when we talk about the reputations of these two candidates, you have to understand, one is completely trustworthy, the other is not. Well, what about the Savior? What about his reputation? I would suggest unto you that if you begin to read the Bible, you will see that Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, came to work on behalf of mankind. Everything that Jesus Christ ever did while upon planet Earth was for the betterment of mankind. Now, you can't say that about Satan. But rather, everything that Satan has done has been against mankind. On the one hand, you have an individual who is concerned about the well-being of mankind. On the other hand, you have an individual who is unconcerned about the welfare of mankind. Well, what about the Savior? I would suggest unto you that when you look at the life of Jesus Christ, you see one who was selfless in every respect of the word. Now, there are a lot of people today that are in, in politics, and they oftentimes will talk about their record and some of the things that they've done and their service, and et cetera. But it seems to me that one of the things that has been lost in our political arena today is the idea of selflessness. It seems to me that there are a lot of people that are in politics today, and it's more about what they can get out of politics than what they can do for their fellow man. Well, that wasn't the case with Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, yea, even the death of the cross. When you talk about the Son of God, you're talking about one who is selfless and who came to serve mankind. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28? The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give himself as a ransom for the many. Now there is a refreshing statement. Here is someone who came to serve. You can't say that about Satan. But you can say that about the Son of God, about Jesus Christ. He was selfless. He came to serve. And then also, what about the great sacrifices that he made? Jesus left the portals of heaven. He left that beautiful environment that he enjoyed with God the Father from the very beginning. Jesus Christ, as the second member of the Godhead, took upon himself human flesh and willingly went to the cross for us. The Hebrew writer tells us in chapter 2 at verse 9, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste of death for every man. Jesus came to give himself as a sacrifice for our sins. The Lord said in John chapter 15 verse 13, greater love has no man than this 
than a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus willingly gave all for us. So when you think about the Son of God and you look at his reputation, you see one who came in a very selfless way, who sought to serve humanity, who was sacrificial. But what about the devil? What about Satan? What has Satan ever done for mankind? When you read in the pages of the Bible about this other candidate vying for your vote and my vote, what can you say positive about his efforts on our behalf? The Bible speaks of him as being a very cunning personality. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 at verse 3, Paul brings to mind the craftiness of Satan and how he subverted Mother Eve. Well, when you look at the picture painted by Scripture concerning Satan, you can read in Ephesians chapter 6 of the schemes of the devil. Paul said, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might stand against the wiles, that is, the schemes of the devil. He is subversive. He is subtle. He seeks to harm those of us who are members of the human family. Now, go back and look at the reputations of these two personalities vying for our votes. Which one do you think has the interest of mankind at heart? The Savior or Satan? Deity or the devil? Well, what about their records? You know, when you look at, at a candidate, you need to examine what they believe, what they, what they think on some of the issues. Certainly that's the case when it comes to casting our spiritual vote I mean, when you go into that booth and cast your vote, hopefully you're doing so armed with knowledge. You know what this particular candidate believes. What about Satan? What about the Savior? When you look at their track records, what do you come away with? In other words, when you begin to isolate what they stand for, or what they stand against, where do they stack up? Who's worthy of your vote? Now, I will freely grant that there are any number of candidates that will tell you that they're for one thing, or they are, that they are a proponent of a particular issue, and then if the population begins to sway, they will flip-flop. Well, that's not the case when it comes to the Son of God. Now, what Satan's going to do is he's going to try to mask the issues. He wants to conceal his record. But what are the records of these two personalities? In politics today, we hear a lot about certain very specific issues that are pertinent to our well-being. Let's just take, for example, the home. We know that the home today is under attack. 
In my lifetime, I have seen our society change immensely in its views towards the home. At one point in time, individuals in our country understood that the home constituted a male and a female. I saw a bumper sticker, I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before, in which a person had on the back of their car a sticker and it basically had the rep representation of the home and it had a male and a female. Well, you know, when I was in grade school, I understood that. The problem is that in our society, those issues, this issue in particular, has been blurred. Now, what is, what is the Savior for? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is, is for this. He is for one man and one woman for life. When God created man in the garden, he said it is not good that man should be alone. And so what did he do? The Bible says he created the woman. He created Eve. And as has been said in times past, not Steve. He created a woman. That's why Jesus said, Wherefore a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. What therefore God is joined together, let not man put asunder. Now, what about Satan? Where does Satan stand in all of this? Let me tell you, Satan is for alternative families. Satan is for men living with men as life partners. He is for women living with women as life partners. He is for individuals in this context rearing children. Now, that's the fact of the matter. That's where Satan is on this issue. And where Satan is and where God is are diametrically opposed. So you have to think about that when you decide whom you're going to vote for. But then there's a second issue that maybe we need to think about. It would be the, the issue of abortion. Now, the Bible tells us that God places a premium on human life. You can read the Old and the New Testaments and you will see that God places great value on the sanctity of human life. God is the one that made man. And Moses said in Genesis chapter 1 that he made man in his image and in his likeness. God formed man from the dust of the earth. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. God is the one who made us. And the Bible says that God hates the hands of those who shed innocent blood. That would mean that those who abort unborn fetuses are in effect going against the very word of Almighty God. God wants to protect that baby in the womb. If you'll read the New Testament, you will see that the same Greek term 
is used to identify the baby in the womb as the baby out of the womb. Same word, which tells me, which should say to all of us that God recognizes that that fetus, that unborn fetus, is a living being. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, where does Satan stand in all of this? Well, what, what Satan wants is for abortion to, to continue in our world. In other words, we live in, a, in an era in which a little over, what, a million babies are aborted every year. Since Roe versus Wade, we've had, what, 40-plus million abortions in our country alone? Does it not seem hypocritical to you that in our country we look at the atrocities that took place in Germany under Hitler and we condemn the actions of those people and yet we allow the unborn fetus to be destroyed in our country day after day after day. Does that not seem somewhat hypocritical to you? Now Satan is for abortion. He wants to rob this world of unborn babies. So that's where he stands. Well, what about another issue? Another issue that we might think about would have to do with creationism being taught in our public schools. You see, there are a lot of people today that are concerned that we're no longer teaching creationism in our public schools. There are a lot of children today that are being taught the theory of evolution. Where does the Savior stack up on all this? Well, the Lord, He would want creationism to be taught because He was the one who created the world. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, by him were all things created, visible and invisible. In John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. We're talking about the one who created this world. Now, the Lord is for creationism. What about Satan? Well, Satan wants you to believe in the theory of evolution. He wants you to buy into this idea that we are the products of chance, maybe, or some cataclysmic explosion, but certainly not God. You see, if Satan can somehow dismiss from children's minds the concept of God, then he has won the battle. And so... That's where Satan stacks up. He is for the advancement of evolution. He's also for the advancement of atheistic thought and agnosticism. The atheist says there is no God. The agnostic simply acknowledges we can't know. And yet the Bible says God exists. The psalmist said the fool has said in his heart there is no God, Psalm 14, verse 1. And so... That's where these two candidates stand. But then there is another issue that I think maybe we need to think about. This has to do with health care. A lot of us are concerned about health care in our world today. As a matter of fact, we hear a lot about 
political candidates talking about the medical care or lack of medical care in our society, in our country in particular. I would submit unto you tonight that when it comes to your health care, the Savior has your interest at heart. He is, as Matthew records in Matthew chapter 9, the great physician. And Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, came to alleviate the suffering of mankind. People today are sick. They're sick with sin. And the remedy for sin is the blood of Christ and the great physician. He is the one that has the antidote. He is the one that can set us free from sin and death. But on the other hand, you think about Satan. We might call him Dr. Death. He's more interested in the destruction of mankind. He's more interested in the destruction of your spiritual well-being. He doesn't care about you as an individual. We talk about health care and we talk about the care of our Lord. Look at how Jesus cared for people during his earthly ministry. And then look at what Satan has done to the human family. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Was it not because of Satan that the first couple transgressed the law of God? They made the choice, yes. Who tempted them? The serpent. They were driven forth from the Garden of Eden. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 at verse 12, through the actions of Adam and Eve, death made its entrance into the world. Spiritual death, yes. Physical death, absolutely. For by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Look at the life of Job. Job was a good man. The Bible says he feared God. He turned away from evil. And yet you can read in Job chapters 1 and 2, and Satan led an all-out air assault on this good man. He destroyed his family. He stripped him of his wealth. He destroyed his physical body with boils. Now you tell me, who has your interest at heart? The Savior or Satan? When you look at the life of Jesus, you see one who is a candidate, who is in your corner, who is concerned about you, who's going to do everything possible for you. And on the other hand, you see one who is rightly called by John in the book of Revelation, the destroyer. He is the deceiver of the whole world. And everywhere he goes, he leaves a wake of carnage. And so, we think about the personalities, their profiles, but then, thirdly, the polls. In a few months, we're going to go to the polls in our country, and we will elect another president. Spiritually speaking, each and every day that you and I live upon planet Earth, we have the opportunity to cast our vote. We have the ability to choose one of two candidates. You can't choose both. You have to choose one. Joshua said in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, choose you this day whom you will serve. You have to make a choice. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. You have to make a choice. Who will you choose? Think about this for a moment. 
those who are in the political arena today, one of the things they talk about is the welfare of this country. And sometimes they'll ask this question. Are you better off today than you were four years ago? Now, economically speaking, you and I, we know that answer. And we can respond to that answer. But I'm not talking about economics tonight. I'm talking about spirituality. Are you better off tonight than you were this time last year? Spiritually speaking, are you better off tonight than you were two years ago or three years ago or four years ago? If the answer is no, may I kindly suggest you chose the wrong candidate. If you're not better off tonight than you were last year or two years ago or four years ago, you put the wrong candidate in office. Now, there are only two candidates vying for our vote. One is the devil, the other is deity. One is the Savior, the other is Satan. If you choose, if you cast your vote for the Savior, what can you expect? You can expect pardon from sin, every sin. The Bible says the covenant under which you and I live is a covenant unlike anything we have ever seen before. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Everything that you've ever done, forgotten and forgiven. By whom? By a gracious God in heaven. And then, if you cast your vote for the Savior, you can expect peace in this life. That is the peace that passes all understanding. Now, there are a lot of people in our world today, they'd like to have peace in their lives. But the only way that you and I can enjoy true inner peace is by casting our vote for the Savior. And you know what? When you do that, you're going to be better off today than you were yesterday. You're going to enjoy prosperity unlike anything this world has to offer. On the other hand, if you cast your vote for the devil, if you cast your lot, lot with him, here's what, you have, here's what you have to look forward to. Number one, destruction. He will destroy you and he will destroy everything related to you. He is a master at destruction. He may paint a very pretty picture before you, but I can promise you that picture is not true. Satan will destroy your life. Not only will he destroy your life, but he will also put you in a situation where you're faced with utter doom. No hope. Two candidates. In one, there is hope. In the other, there is no hope. Absolutely, positively, no hope.
Now, it might seem that I'm biased in this presentation, and I am. Because my encouragement would be for you to cast your vote with the Lord. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. You and I, we have to make choices every day. My encouragement to you, choose life. Choose the Savior. You will never be led astray by following the Son of God. If you follow Satan, it's a dead-end street. No hope. It might be that you're here tonight, you're not a Christian. What we want to encourage you to do is to cast your vote for the Lord. We want you to make the decision this hour to become a child of God. What would you need to do? The Bible says you have to have faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Not only do you have to have faith, you have to be willing to repent. That is, turn from sin, Acts 2.38. Confess the name of Jesus before others, Matthew 10.32. And then be buried in a watery grave of baptism for the forgiveness of your sins. If you do that, the Bible says you enjoy salvation, Mark 16.16. 16. And if you live faithfully until death, the promise is the crown of life, Revelation 2.10. It is a crown unlike any other. Tonight, if you're here, you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, why not come home? Think about this. In our country, we have periodic elections. Sometimes people make incorrect choices. The beauty of our electoral process is that if you make a bad choice, you can always try to correct it at a later date. If at some point in time you made the wrong choice, you cast your vote with Satan, guess what? You have the opportunity to cast a new vote tonight. You can cast your vote with the Savior. Why not do that as we stand and sing?